Welcome to the Armor of Light podcast, where we discuss the biggest issues facing young Catholics today. My name is Brady, and joining me as always are my co-hosts James and Jared. Together we want to equip you with the knowledge and inspiration you need to charge into the darkness, persevere in your faith, and live for Christ in a more intentional and meaningful way. Today we'll be discussing why we should be pursuing Christ, why we can't have a meaningful life without God, and why the Catholic faith is the best way to live in unity with Jesus. I think when we look at like the darkness in our world and all these things that we may agree or disagree with, um, there's this idea of, oh, I can do better. I can fix things. I know what to do about this political policy, or I know what to do about this school requirement or something like that. And there's all, there's all these outward thoughts of what can I change about the world? But the only way to fix the world is by fixing yourself, okay? Uh, But this presents us with two questions. What is the best goal for me to aim towards? And how do I best achieve that goal? We're here to say that the best goal for your life is to be in complete unity and obedience to Christ. And the best way to do that is through his church and the life of the Catholic faith. So what do you guys think, what do you guys have to say about why Christ is the goal to aim for? So yeah, going on that that first question, why is Christ the goal to aim for? I think the only reason that Christ, we can convince people that Christ is the goal to aim for is because that we can show them the way they're currently living their lives, our current culture. It's, it's selling misery. Like, I don't know, when I walk down the street and I see people staring at their cell phones, when I see people riding their bike with their earbuds in, nobody's smiling. Nobody's saying hi to the person walking by them. So I think if we show them that that's not how life has to be, Christ is the source of joy. So if we can give them a goal to aim for, and that goal will bring joy, I mean, I think that's the greatest way to bring people to Christ. And I think that's what his greatest teaching was, is you can find joy um, in living your way in accordance with his will. Yeah, and I think I'd even add to that, that you can find joy in suffering if your suffering is for a purpose. So, like, I think one of the most um, masculine displays that has ever existed was christ's carrying of the cross to the crucifixion because he saw that we were all um like bathed in sin and we saw how he was crushed like physically and spiritually because of our sin and the weight of our sin on him but he carried that knowing that this is what needed to be done in order to bring a greater unity between us and god and so, like, I like to I think about, like, what you're talking about, James, with the, um, like, you walk around campus and everyone's, like, glued into their phones or glued into their um, AirPods. I find myself a lot of the times just, like, glued into, um, like, Facebook Market or Amazon or something, just, like, what's the next thing I'm going to buy, you know? And it's, like, do I, and I, I don't even think about it, you know? It's, like, when you don't have that kind of structure, when you don't have something that you're working for, your your goal and your 
um, your focus is on yourself and what's going to give you the next, uh, you know, pleasing thing. So, oh, I'll buy this and get like satisfaction from this for like five minutes. And then it's on to the next thing where if you have to do something where you're struggling for something, where you're having to follow through and live for something, it's a lot harder to do one, but at the end of the day, you're finding that greater joy, that more fulfilling joy mm-hmm. from that. Yeah. And I think if I can uh, critique Christians more generally and in the comment section, you guys can come at me on the podcast, you guys can come at me, but I think we focus on sin way too much. I think we focus on all the things we are doing wrong and how what we are doing is wrong, but we need to provide an alternative. Like if what I'm doing is wrong, maybe that's true, but give me something that's better. Give me something that's worth my time, something that will give me meaning. Because the reason people sin is they're trying to find meaning in useless things. Like no one is walking around wanting to be miserable, but the things they're doing are making them miserable because they don't know what the alternative is. Yeah, and I see that all the time. Like when you're walking up and down different streets, you know, especially in a college town, you see those people that are just like, they're living for that next uh, round of Friday mugs or whatever. You, you know, they're they're all living for that next time going out to drink, have fun, go home, have sex with some random stranger that they just met. Like, and then they'd have to come back the next week looking for something different to make it better. And you're going to keep, when you keep grasping for those things to try to like the next best drink, the next best night out, you're never going to find it. You're never going to find the thing that fulfills you the most because our hearts are longing for that perfection. Yeah. There's always going to be a well to, to drink from, but it's whether that well is going to actually fill you up, whether it's going to quench your thirst. Um, The only well that can actually do that is Christ. Uh, His living water quenches our thirst and gives us the, the spiritual and physical means to persevere in our faith. Yeah. So I guess I want to ask you two a question. When did you come to, when did you come to this realization? When did you realize that the most meaningful life you can live is one in which you are aiming to live in union with Christ? Was there a point in your life where you realized, okay, the way I'm doing this right now, it, it has to stop. There has to be some alternative. Yeah, I can, I can go first. I would say when I grew up, I grew up Catholic, classic cradle Catholic, hated Sunday school, um, hated going to mass. I felt like it was a chore. Um, my parents, God bless them, but something didn't click with me. It was, I don't, I don't think it was their fault. Something just wasn't clicking with me, and I was not, I didn't understand why I needed to go to church. I didn't understand what was there. Um, that lasted all throughout high school. Um, I found myself almost, at, at one point I thought I would just declare, I don't even believe in God. I thought I was a man of science. I thought I was logical, and it was it was those kind of things that, would conclude that God doesn't exist. I could not have been more wrong. <laughs> um, 
when I came to college, I thought, okay, this would be my time to do all those things I thought were, were meaningful, like get a girlfriend, you know, party, do all this kind of stuff. Um, you started in a, like the beginning of your college career was at, with a different faith tradition, right? That's right. Yeah. Immediately, um, me and my roommate, we went to, um, a Protestant, uh, organization on campus and growing up Catholic, I was like, uh, I don't know. Like I didn't understand the differences between other denominations. So I was really just coming at it fresh. Um, and it turned out to be exactly what I needed. Because I went there and they were very evangelical. They were very uh, enthusiastic about getting people to desire a deeper relationship with Jesus. And that's exactly what I needed. Uh, so I, I went to that. I got, I got into leadership. I was leading small groups and Bible studies. Really just sold on the whole Jesus thing. But after a few years, um, I was getting the same sermons. I was getting the same emphasis and it's like I was being marketed to, I know for lack of a better word, I was being marketed to as if I was a new customer and I'm like, no, 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 I, I'm a loyal customer. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm bought in. Where's like the extra value membership? Like where's my yeah. gold tier? Start redeeming your points. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I was looking for more depth. And I wasn't getting it with this particular group. And I started coming to the Catholic Church on campus, started to see the kids there do things that I never saw anywhere else, like praying a rosary, um, going to um, reconciliation, uh, adoration. These kind of things were, I knew what they meant, but I had never really seen them. I never really seen someone like me do them, and I wondered why. I was like, "What, what do they have that I don't have?" Um, and that all culminated to, "Okay, I need to, I need to come home. I need to come home to the Catholic faith, the Catholic Church. She knows best. I don't understand it all. I don't get it yet, but I know that it's time to come home." That was my. That, that's kind of my testimony. That's kind of how I realized across many years, how I realized that Jesus needs to become more and more dialed in as the most important part of my day, my week, and my year, my life. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I guess similar to Brady, I had, um, like I grew up Catholic and I'd always had that faith aspect in my life. Um, I think I'd had similar experiences to you, like with the other faith tradition that you, you'd started with. Um, there was some conferences that I went to in high school that really had that, the, the kind of new age stuff that like really brings you in when you're in the high school stage and you're just like, just learning about, um, stuff and you're just going for a good feeling essentially. And, and I got that going to these, these conferences every year. Um, but when I got to college, I thought that that was, I was good, you know, just like going every week, trying to find a different feeling, a better feeling with, with the, with masses, with like going and seeing things. And there were some really cool experiences. Like 
um, like the student mass that we went to at night, there's like a, a really interesting thing that everyone got around and sang the Our Father. Like I thought that that was really cool. And um, so like I started, I started out with having those feelings and kind of being craved on those feelings, but then it kind of mellowed out a little bit. And I, like you, I thought I was going to find a girlfriend. I thought I was going to find all these things. And honestly, at that point in time, I probably would not have been, uh, it, I wouldn't have been a great boyfriend. I wouldn't have had those kinds of things. And like, I didn't realize like I was lacking that spiritual depth. I was just living on the surface. So I was invited to join this intentional men's group that we got to do the, we did this spiritual exercise before Easter and, um, it's all about living in asceticism and, and like offering those little things up. And it was through that, that I really learned about like the practice of our faith. Faith is a daily thing. And like the, there's so much beauty and joy and freedom in finding that, that devotional life because you're not a slave to what you want to do all the time. You're giving up that, that which you want to do in favor of these things that'll make you better. And so when I gained that perspective, I just was like sitting in, it was during that time when I was sitting in an intentional prayer session. um, When I just realized kind of like, like we talked about earlier about like the feeling of that, that void in your life and how there was only one perfect piece. And I'd really kind of like thought about the word perfection. And it was like, kind of you know we all talk about heaven and it's perfection but that's when i really realized it and i was just like oh my gosh like that's crazy and it was you know just that kind of epiphany moment you didn't realize it was happening and you didn't realize that you knew that but you finally put two and two together and it was it was very interesting it was cool and it um and it made me just want to keep striving for more and like I got to see some like really cool people in the saints and in um, other Bible studies, other examples of like what a genuine man could do. And it all takes work, and it takes you know these people don't just pop their head off the day, uh, pop the head off the pillow in the morning and just start doing these things. It takes years of practicing and getting into good habits to become that man so i learned that from the church and learning how to do the little things you're when you're able to uh do the little things when the big things come they won't be a chore yeah yeah if we could just snap our finger and become a saint overnight i don't think we would need the church for anything Hmm. and so yeah i think that that's really where i kind of came to know christ and where i decided that in order to be the man that i wish to be and be the man for Christ that I am called to be. I need him at the center of my life. And I need that, that structure. Gotcha. So I guess I'll give my backstory a little bit. Um, and it's pretty similar. I was raised Catholic, went to Catholic school, kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. But, uh, in my family, I guess faith was not really something we would talk about all that much. Thank God I went to Catholic school cause uh, I didn't have as much formation in the faith in my family setting as I kind of would have hoped. 
love my parents. Don't don't get me wrong about that. And if if they end up listening to this out there, mom and dad still love you. <laughs> this isn't a knock on you at all. But without a Catholic education, I have no idea where I would be today. And once I went to college, my faith had to be taken into my own hands. And I still remember the first, I think it was the first week of classes. It was before classes even started when the freshmen are here for orientation. Uh, my roommate had invited me out to go drinking with some of his buddies. And I said, no, no, thanks. I'm, I'm busy. I wasn't busy at all. I had nothing going on. I just couldn't say no. I couldn't just straight up say no to his face and say, no, I, I'm underage. I don't want to be doing that with you right now. So I was just sitting in my dorm room um, and I was like, well, I guess there's a, there's a Catholic church down the street. And I remember sitting uh, in a pew. There was nobody else in the church. And I was like, a college is supposed to be a lot, be a lot more fun than this. All my friends are out drinking. I mean, I wouldn't even call them my friends. All the people that I'm supposed to be friends with, that the culture is telling me I'm supposed to be friends with, they're out drinking. I'm just sitting here alone in a pew what am I missing? Like college is supposed to be fun. Um, and then luckily I met some other freshmen who were also kind of in the same boat as me. We were all lost. And I think as freshmen, we're always looking for community. I mean, we're so insecure when we're on our own for the first time and having that community, having a band of brothers to kind of go on this journey with you is crucial. There's there's no doubt in my mind that if I didn't become friends with people here at the Newman Center, I I don't think I would still be practicing my faith uh, because I was seeking so much validation from people around me. Yeah, and I think that like as freshmen especially, like you're clinging to any kind of good attention that you can get and you know, by the grace of God, we all ended up here and we all found that community that we were desiring because there's so many other people that you see that don't end up like that. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Yeah. And so I guess going back to our original um, question is why, why do we think following Christ will bring us joy? Uh, I came to that realization pretty, pretty bluntly, I guess a couple years ago, um, I had a medical issue where my lung actually collapsed and I thought I was having a heart attack. So I, I honestly thought I was dying and a priest gave me, um, the anointing of the sick. And as he was anointing my forehead, um, I realized like, if this was the end of my life, I wasted it. And I, that was an awful feeling. And I was like, okay, there, there has to be something better. There, there just had to be. Like, if everybody else around me, and I look to people that are, that are joyful, and I know if they were on their deathbed or whatever, they would be able to say, yeah, I lived, I lived a good life. I don't have any regrets. And, like, that is what I was, that's what I wanted. I didn't know how to get, how to get there. I didn't know the secret that these people knew but I wanted to figure out what that was. And I think that was just kind of letting go of wanting validation from all those around me. 
I honestly think that was the key is I was so caught up in what I thought the world should think of me. And that was, I don't know, I was clinging to that. So you mentioned earlier, Brady, that like part of what drew you in was um, seeing the the way that people here were drawn to the mass, drawn to um, praying rosaries. Was it like a certain special devotion that really kind of got to you or um, like how did you start to participate and when was it that you decided that that's what you wanted to do? I think it took a while, I think. Uh, I came around the Newman Center probably for two semesters before I really dove right in and actually quit my time at that other at the other ministry uh, organization on campus. I think the best analogy I can kind of come up with is, you know, if, uh, if you're walking down the street, and someone's looking up, right? You're like, you look up as well. And this is kind of what happened at at, uh, at the Protestant organization I was with, is everyone was looking up, and I was also looking up, and I was, I was hooked. I was like, I want to find what this is. What are they doing? I want to see what they see. But when I went to the Catholic Center, they were looking at something completely different, and it was higher. It was higher than what the other people were looking at, and I wanted more. Um, they were looking higher. They were looking more uh, ardently. They were they were they were desperate for what what this was, and I wanted to be that person. I wanted to be one of them. Um, no no special devotion or or, or saint. Um, obviously they, they helped me along the way, but I would say, uh, the biggest, uh, help to me probably came from, from our mother Mary. Um, I think the, um, I, just as I love my earthly mom very, very much, my, uh, my heavenly mom gave me that, that comfort and kind of the, the gentle push I needed to, to kind of get out of bed and get out of my comfort zone almost, you know? I think it was it was her warmth and her care that honestly just like just like a mother is inviting to her children the church was inviting to me. Um that's what got me in the door and I haven't left. <laughs> <laughs> You're never leaving. So this I think in mine and in all of our testimonies here and what we've said so far it brings us to our next question um the community of it. The, the, uh, all of our stories had to deal with community. And so what we want to talk about next is why is the Catholic faith the best way to pursue Christ? What was it about specifically the Catholic nature of the communities that we were sort of orbiting around and then, and then landed on that we know to be the best way to pursue Christ? James, you have any thoughts? Uh, I have a lot of thoughts. I don't know how I want to organize them. <laughs> um, I guess what I really like about the Catholic faith and the structure it provides is that there are 2,000 years of tradition and history that showed this has worked for other people. And that is, I don't know, that's incredibly comforting to realize that 
other people have struggled with a lot of the same things we're struggling with now. Other people have found peace in Christ. And that is, that is possible for us to achieve. Um, so, yeah, looking back on the, the history, the tradition. And I guess, how would that really, apart from the tradition, how would that differ from, um, you know, other organizations where, uh, I guess, like, how is the meaning that step further, that much deeper? So I would say... Um, tradition, I would almost pair the sacraments with that. So the most profound, uh, spiritual, I guess, experiences I've ever had have always come in adoration. And that is unique to the Catholic faith. Um, growing up, I didn't know why we would, I mean, I was, I was told this is Jesus's body. Um, but people just sat there and stared at it. I'm like, what, what are you looking at? But there's actually, when you sit there and actually are comfortable in the silence and you listen to God instead of constantly speaking, which I was doing in my life is, why is my life like this? God, why can't you make this easier? I want this. Can you give this to me? Um, I think the church and the sacraments more, more specifically cause you to slow down and actually embrace silence. I think there's something to that with like, um, like if I'm sitting in a class and a lot of times I'll just be like popping up new tabs, like left and right, like, Oh, I need to get this thing done or, Oh, I need to put this on the side. Uh, Oh, she's asking a top bat question. Crap. And then like, yeah, like all of a sudden you've wasted all this time and you're not being intentional with what you're doing and sitting through that class. And I think that, that that's the way it and tends to be for a lot of people in the way that they do their extracurricular activities, especially with faith. Mm-hmm. I think that um, it's very easy to be unintentional. I think that that's part of the reason why um, the Catholic faith is that much more it's just that much more distinguished is because you're able to practice physically and spiritually you have to focus on what you're doing or else you're not doing it the justice and that it deserves so like if you're sitting through mass and just worrying about getting back to watch the packers or in your case the bears sorry no, i would <laughs> i don't want to think about that um but if you're if you that's the main focus, then you're just gonna be like dwelling on that, and then like it's gonna be mass is gonna be a chore, and then everyone's gonna, else is gonna leave the church happy, and you're gonna be like, why why was I not fulfilled by that? And it's like, oh, it's because you have to participate, and if you're not participating, then you're you're losing out on it, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people who don't get that opportunity to participate, like. And I think that that's one of the special ways that the church offers that to us. Yeah. I know some people see the Sunday obligation, as we like to call it, of you're obligated to go to Mass on Sunday. But I don't like that way of looking at it as an obligation. It's a gift. Like, God gave us a gift to be able to sit at Mass for an hour on Sunday and receive his body and blood. And without 
without that structure, we would be sitting on the couch watching football. We would be out golfing. We would be doing homework. And I think God knew that when he gave us the commandment to honor the Sabbath. It wasn't because he wanted us to feel obligated to love him, to adore him. It's because he knew we needed that time set aside. And I think seeing that as a gift instead of a burden or an obligation, it's still, you're still doing the same action. You're still going to mass, but it completely changes your view of the world. Yeah, we don't, yeah, we don't have to go to mass. We get to, Mm -hmm. we also have to, but (laughs) we get to, we don't have to read the Bible. We get to, we don't have to have a, um, giant community of saints watching over and praying for us. We get that. These are all graces given to God, given to us by God. Um, and I, I'd like to circle back to the silence. I mm-hmm. think that's a really profound point because now that I'm thinking about it, the previous ministry I was with, as soon as you walked in to their service, there was music playing. Music's great. Music is a is a wonderful way to praise the Lord. But it was never silent. There was music. There was there was screaming and clapping and, and joyfulness, which is all great. But there's something to be said about the silence. And the Bible teaches us that God whispers to us in the silence. So there there is something profound about the emphasis, let's say, the Catholic Church has on the, the reverent of the silent. Uh, so I really like that point. Yeah. And going back to kind of what we were talking about earlier about people walking down the street, looking at their phones, always having their earbuds in, is I think that's a fear of being alone in your own thoughts. And I think that's why we don't have silence really anywhere. There's always music playing. There's always a podcast on. So if you're listening to this while walking, I applaud you for that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I just think even taking religion out of it, just society in general, when is the last time you just sat, anybody sat in silence and actually thought about their life? I don't know. That's just... Yeah, and I, I think an interesting point that you talked about with um, the sort of the transcendence of the faith, like because it when you get into those really those really close knit communities of Catholics that are very intentional with the faith, and um, one of the ways that I heard it put in another podcast was that the church is oh gosh i lost my train of thought but he was talking about how like the um the purpose was to be better than yourself and so that's why they dressed up for mass that's why they um i mean that's why the priest wears the garments that he wears and all these things have an intentional purpose behind them and the purpose was to during the Mass, when they bring the body and blood of Christ, the true presence of Christ, into the world, we are all stepping out of our earthly selves and into something higher. And I think that that's one of the most important things that we can have as Catholics is that that ability to, um, yes, sit in the silence, but also that, that transcendence of being. And you step into any like older church or you step into some of the magnificent cathedrals that there are 
and you get to see that transcendence in the physical stuff around you um like you'll have the high altars the incense and all these things it makes you feel as if this thing that you're doing isn't just a sunday ritual it's an important ritual Mm -hmm. so yeah and i think uh Dante in the Divine Comedy has a special circle of hell for those that wear Aaron Rodgers jerseys to Sunday Mass. <laughs> you are, ha- you are tarnishing the transcendent. I would have to agree with you there, unfortunately. <laughs> um, that's also why you can't wear cheese head. <laughs> so I don't think it's uh, crazy to say that the Catholic faith certainly has a lot of discipline built in. Um, and I think a lot of people view discipline and rules and guidelines, best practices as restrictive. They think that I can't, I can't be my true self if I'm confined to these rules. We know differently. We know that the disciplines uh, inculcated in us through the Catholic faith actually lead to freedom, actually lead to what Christ wants for us. How, how can that be? Yeah, and I think that, like, it's too easy to... Um to dismiss that like when you see the discipline and you see like all this stuff and you don't understand what it's for it's super easy to just see it as like arbitrary like what are they they're just doing all these things for what you know if there's so it's an easy um, point of view to see from and i don't you know dismiss that because there's been times when especially in my youth i saw that like that as well so yeah, it's just a bunch of old people making rules to prevent the young people from having fun. That's kind of how I saw some of the rules, and like skipping Sunday mass. Uh, what's the big deal? I mean, I I have homework to do. Isn't that a little more important? Yeah, and other people were doing it too, right? Right. Like, um, and so I think that going to what Chesterton said about G.K. Chesterton <laughs> said about um, before you topple a fence ask why the fence is there and learn why the fence is there. Then if you still want to topple the fence, that's when you can. But like, that's why we have the borders and stuff that we have and the disciplines that we have is because there needs to be a certain way, especially in the mass, you can see this most prevalently. You, there has to be a certain way that you bring Christ into the world. Otherwise it's a dishonor to him. And, he deserves our best. So you have to do what is these specific things and be disciplined to those things. And if you slip on on one little thing, like, like you're doing a disservice to the people around you and to Christ who comes in the Eucharist. So I think that like the boundaries are what give us that proper setting in order to bring the transcendence into the world. And and that's what the way it is in our lives too. If we need that, that structure, we need to have that, all those boundaries set. So there's a place for the Lord to enter and like the Holy spirit to guide us. Now I agree with, with everything you just said, but proponent or um, opponents of Catholicism might say, we take it too far. They might say, why does it matter if I wear a, a tie or where if I wear cargo shorts to, to mass, like it's still Jesus. So where, what would you say to them where they think like, it's not, it's, it's the fact that you're doing it. It's not how you do it. Sure. So, um, 
Yeah, and I often hear like the the come as you are um, mm -hmm. argument too. And this is tough for me because for a while there, I was the guy who would wear cargo shorts to church because they, they I mean, they, they look good-ish, right? You know, so, <laughs> even on you. Oh yeah. man! <laughs> wow. <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, it was. Uh, it was something, honestly, I kind of just followed this one blindly. It was something one of my roommates said about, um, yeah, I don't feel like I should wear anything but pants to mass. And I was like, okay, that actually, that's a good idea. I don't know why it is, but like, I I'm going to follow that. And it's just like the same way that we, we expect modesty from our women. Like we expect modesty from our men too. Like this is something where you're covering up another part of your human self to observe and not distract from, I mean, not that my legs are going to be super <laughs> distracting. I mean, but like to keep the attention focused on what's ahead and maybe it's a little discomforting, but you're willing to put, go through that because you're structuring yourself in a way that's not sitting there to be, uh, um, comfortable or just leisurely you need to be active in this you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. yeah i think the way we act and the way we dress ourselves is an outward display of our inward disposition mm. so if somebody's wondering well why can't i wear a football jersey to mass you should I, my response would be well why do you think it shouldn't be like how far can i push it until i break a rule it's this rule is good and i'm i'm trying to align myself fully with the good and following these rules helps me to do that the rules are a gift they're not a burden yeah sort of like like here's how i what good you could do and here's where you are like it's not presenting it in a way that like this is bad it's like there's a way that you can do this in a much more intentional much better way and you're I'm holding you to that in that way I'm trying to love you to hold you to the best version of yourself right and like you wouldn't wear you wouldn't wear a football jersey to a funeral I mean nobody would nobody would question that nobody would even think about it why is mass any different not even Mike Ditka's funeral funeral <laughs> the coach I think uh especially in the in the western world we have certain clothes mean something you know like a suit you wear a suit to an interview because you want to put your best self forward you wear you wear jeans and a polo to a barbecue because it's comfortable and you want to have flexibility and like you don't have to dress up for your friends at a barbecue right or you wear you know there's proper clothing for any situation but it, it seems like some people would like to think that the mass is is uh is an exception to that now, do you have you have to show up in a three-piece suit with your best watch and your best tie? No. But should you put the most reverence and the most respect forward that you can? Yes. Yeah, and I think that that goes back to the broader topic of not just, you know, focusing on the clothes. Like, the disciplines that we have are, um, again, they're calling us to something higher and it's the expectations that we we want to strive for 
you know, like, um, it's not something that's just put there for the sake of being there. It, it's to, to give us some, a goal in mind to what we want to achieve. Like, you're not just going to mass. If you just go to mass to go to mass and check it off the box, what are you really getting from it? No, you go to mass because there's something you wish to achieve with that. And you have to participate in in order to participate in the best possible way. Um, It's always just like if you're doing anything in life, you have to be willing to invest into what you're doing in, in order to get a return on it you know if you're gonna exercise if you're just gonna like go walk around for a little bit and like no offense walkers good you know it's obviously a great exercise but if you're just gonna be walking around for a little bit yeah you'll stay in shape but if you're going on like runs or you're doing like sprint workouts you're gonna increase your speed you're going to um if you're doing like super hard weightlifting practices you're going to improve your weights when you put that intentionality into the mass you're going to see your life improve and you're going to see your love for those better habits like grow so it's not going to just be like a burden on you anymore it's going to become a way of life that you hate to live without i think you've hinted at a really profound reality of the sacraments themselves is that they actually transform us through the grace of God, they transform us into the people that, that God wants us to be. It's not a passive act when we go to the Mass. It's not a passive act uh, when we go to reconciliation. It is a very active act on God's part that he imbues us with the graces necessary to be transformed into the people he's created us to be more, more fully ourselves. I think that's interesting. The phrase, uh, be the person God created you to be. Why, why should we want to be the person that God created us to be? Like why don't, can't I figure that out on my own? Like, I feel like I could have a lot more fun without these rules. Why, why do I care who God created me to be? He gave me free will. So I think that comes down to like, the intentional life and like the vocational life, like you are put on this world and there's a way that God wishes to put you into the world and use you to spread his, his gospel message. Um, whether it be through your work ethic, whether it be through the way that you communicate with others, um, whether it be simply through like the daily processes that you do each day, if you're just, um, like what what you what did you say again like you like you you don't think that God has a better plan than you do like why should you be why is the God, the person that God created you to be a goal that you should be aiming for like yeah and so like like what is it that you're when you're focusing on the things that will like please you like going out and having that beer your freshman year or um going out and um you know just focusing on getting that relationship just to have it you know it's not these little things are going to be like little pleasures for a little bit but then that pleasure goes away so then what are you left with you're left either grasping for something deeper like what we'd said be um at the beginning of the show or you're going to grasp for another one of those uh things to make you feel good for a little bit 
So it's just, you're going to be in that constant um, sort of addictive mentality to whatever it is that gives you that, that fulfillment, but it's going to have to be more and more each time. Right. And I would argue that when it, we need more and more, when we're constantly searching for the next source of stimulation, we are no longer free. Like we broke away from all the rules. We broke away from the person that God wanted us to be. But is that freedom? I would say, no, we are, we're lost. You're, you're absolutely lost. Yeah. And I think that gets into the, what the, the distinguishment of distinction, sorry, (laughs) the the distinction of um, licentiousness and freedom, because yes, you can do whatever you want. You can go like, like drink a thousand beers um, or you can go have sex with someone or there's a lot of things that you can do and have your freedom. You know, you have the whatever license to do it. But what good is it doing other than just a temporary high and then like your body from those thousand beers is going to be a lot, a lot worse shape than it was. Um, And you just, you just sacrificed for nothing. You just sacrificed now having a hangover. You're going to, you now have to have a thousand one beers in order to get that same kind of feeling the next time. Like you're going to be constantly grasping for these things where with freedom, you know what you're limited to. You know where your weaknesses are. You know what your strengths are. And you live within that to find what what you like to do best and then pursue that and make that better. Do the best you can at that and always do it with the mindset of serving and you won't be upset with whatever you end up doing. I think uh, another answer to your question of why can't I choose for myself? Why do I have to follow this like plan that God has for me? Okay. Your life is not your own to do with what you please. It was bought and paid for by Jesus on the cross. You actually do not have the right to do whatever you want to do. Jesus offered up his body and blood for us so that we could have freedom and abundance the way he created it. Like he, he's, he is part of God. He is the creator. And so he obviously is going to know best how we ought to live our lives. Yeah. I think that for a young person, especially that is really a tough message to hear. And it's one I have not grasped fully yeah. myself. I get told a lot in, in times of, in confession, it's not about you. I'm like, oh, how, how do I do this? How do I conquer this sin? How do I, how do I feel this? How do I do this? And Father just says to me, it's not about you. And isn't that just like, like, it sucks, but that's like the best it message you can give. Because like, when you think about it, like, I don't want to watch pornography anymore. Well, why do you not want to watch pornography anymore? Because I want to love my future spouse with the love that she deserves. Oh, so you need to start focusing on the future spouse and not focusing on making your streak higher. You focus on what's going to help her and give her the dignity that she deserves. 
then all of a sudden you've got a purpose for doing it. Yeah, you you grow in discipline now. You deny yourself now so that you have the freedom later to love your wife fully in, in that example. Mm-hmm. And when you realize that your life is not about yourself, that is incredibly freeing. Like you, I don't know how best to describe it, but when you actually realize that you aren't supposed to be living for yourself, that the person that created you loves you and wants you to succeed in his definition of success, not your own, that's incredibly freeing. It gives you something to run towards instead of simply running away from the person you don't want to be. You can actually run towards the person that God wants you to be and in turn, the person I want to be. And that gets back to the the freedom versus license. Freedom is the is responsibility. And some people can look at responsibility, again, as restrictions. But other people look at that responsibility as, how can I be the best in this responsibility? Like, if I, one day, you know, in my future marriage, hopefully, I end up with the dishes. Well, I'm going to do the best dishes that I can. You know, like, because that'll make your wife happy. It'll have, you'll have clean dishes and you did it with a, you have that kind of sense of pride about the way that you did it. Um, like a humble pride, a a good kind of pride. We're not going to get into that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, you have that good sense of, I just did something not just for myself, but so that the rest of the family can have something good. Like personally, I could care less if I have a dirty plate. (laughs) so if i just focused on myself i would have plates with like scum from years (laughs) of building up but when you're doing it for something else like and for someone else you realize that oh i'm gonna do my best to make sure that this is the best thing for those people and there's something freeing to that because in that you get to live and you get to find that those little things that you can make joyful that normally wouldn't seem to be joyful yeah and i think that's why men need women is we uh we're fine eating off a plate same plate (laughs) for about four days in a row but i mean that's unhealthy oh yeah clothes socks exactly exactly bingo bingo yeah recycling's overflowing that's okay (laughs) it's not smelling yet okay gentlemen so We've discussed why Jesus is the best goal for our lives. We've discussed why we believe the Catholic faith is the best way to do that or pursue that. Where can someone start? What's kind of like the the framework to think about this? Like, do they do they jump right in and do things without knowing what they're doing? Do they go and try to, you know, do mission work before they care about what they're doing what's what's the what's the order in which this transformation happens yeah so i would say the order to it's a three-step process so buckle up um so yeah the order to coming to know god and to loving him better i think first you have to know who god is and what his teachings are and once you actually know him then you can love him because you can't know sorry, you can't love um, someone or something that you don't know. And once you come to love God, then you will be, you'll be motivated to serve him. So I think know, love, and serve is the three 
the three-step process uh, to get to heaven. But you can't, you can't skip the knowing to get to the loving, and you can't skip the loving to get to the serving, or else you don't know who you're loving, and you don't know what you're serving. Um, and I, and yeah. I'd say, yeah, um, and if you're starting even from like a like from maybe an outsider's perspective or from a church faith tradition that's different than the Catholic Church, I think the best way to go about it, even if you don't truly believe this, start looking at everything as if the Catholic Church is true and what they're saying and what they're doing is true. Then go to masses and start at writing down questions or just asking questions that you might have. Writing down questions, um, like sit through adoration, um, ask questions about why you're doing this. Um, ask questions about why Catholics go to confession as opposed to just asking the Lord for his forgiveness. Because he'll grant it to you, but this way of doing it is a much more um, intentional way of doing it. Obviously, you're, you're sacrificing your comfort so that you can get that real forgiveness. The Lord will always grant you his mercy, but when you're going out and seeking that reconciliation with his church, that's something even greater. Um, but yeah, when you're going and you're doing that, um, when, if you go around and you start asking these questions and then maybe get like sit down with a priest, sit down with someone who has good knowledge about the faith and start asking these questions. These are, I think that in my book would be the best way to learn about the faith from an outsider's perspective or from someone who's really just very surface level. Because when you start questioning, then you can start like you're questioning yourself as much as you're questioning others. Yeah. And for, I guess to add on to that for someone, if they've been Catholic their entire life, but they don't truly know God, I think my advice would just be embrace the silence. Like just if you're a college student, don't look at your phone and don't put in earbuds for one day between classes or when you're walking home and just see, see if your view of the world changes at all. I would almost guarantee that you're going to be better off if you're not constantly plugged in. So, and I think you will know, you will come to know God in the silence, but that only happens when you when you're willing to embrace the silence yeah and i think a, a common objection to the the no love serve order is people would say like oh of course you can't know what you don't already love or you can't you can't truly know what you don't already love but i think there's a it's a three-step process but you you often bounce back and forth between one and two the more you know something the more you can love it and the more you do love it the more you desire to know it more. So it's this back and forth and, and it's like at a certain point it just resonates and that's the overflowing, that's the joy, that's the will to serve this this thing that is consuming you and, and this passion that has transformed you. Yeah, and I would say there are, there are multiple ways of knowing. There's obviously like the academic, intellectual way of studying God, uh, but there's also just seeing God in other people and seeing God in the world around you or experiencing the mercy of God in the sacraments. I think that's coming to know God, even though you're not opening a book and studying him. Okay. Gentlemen, this has been a wonderful conversation. Uh, this is our, this is our first episode. So one down. 
uh, many to go. Um, I would just like to add, uh, Jerry's currently leading. He has one GK Chesterton quote. We'll keep a tally. <laughs> I'm hoping to get at least one in the next episode. We'll see. To be fair, I did steal that one from your outline. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Thank you all for listening and have a blessed day.